Thank you for listening in right now. Glad to have you here. My name is Nyla, and this is Greener Thoughts. I help you understand the environment today so you can experience a greener life. Let's connect online. You can reach Greener Thoughts by voice message. The anchor.fm link is in each episode's show notes. You can do so via the Anchor app or by email at greenerthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. So I just want to get started with some announcements. I want to apologize in advance for having a running uh, start when it comes to recording. But I figured to do this now instead of waiting to the morning or adjusting when I put it out. Uh, other than when I'm supposed to. So I figured to just do it now. And I know that you all have been uh, waiting so patiently and really um, you know, on board with listening you know, to my podcast episodes because I see uh, the audience size and it's looking pretty good. And I want to thank you all as always. Uh, So the first uh, announcement is just all about the environmental holidays that are uh, coming about for the month of April. So April is generally known as Earth Month. So you'll see a lot of environmental uh, holidays or more things that happen to relate to the Earth particularly around this time and around this month. Uh, Next, uh, April 2nd is uh, World Health Day, and it is also a UN holiday, so it is uh, made in part and was organized in part uh, historically uh, by the United Nations. Okay, so first up is the next segment, which is headlines from the hemispheres. So it's a look at all types of environmental news globally, and it's pretty quick for the most part. And so uh, the first headline is all about garbage, so your trash, and how uh, antibiotics are forming a sort of resistance uh, in their gene makeups. So burying or burning uh, garbage boosts airborne bacteria and antibiotic uh, resistance genes. And so you can look more into that story on ENN.com. It's Environmental News Network. Really great source for research news um, and also different types of environmental news. So you may be asking yourself, well, what's the difference? What is um, trash, garbage, what's its uh, specified name? Well, it's known as uh, municipal solid waste or MSW. And it's really things like plastic and food scraps and lawn junk and garbage that you would normally toss into your garbage bin that doesn't have any special processing and it doesn't get recycled. And so it usually gets landfilled or incinerated and burned. And the aim of researchers was that they wanted to investigate um, the bacterial community that was found uh, in these landfills and the associated like antibiotic resistance that's known in present in uh, municipal solid waste uh, treatment facilities, and one of them in which 
um, was in eastern uh, China. And that's the one that they wanted to study. And so researchers, they went about collecting different things. They collected air samples from the landfill site itself and also the incinerator of the municipal solid waste and then two transfer stations which happen uh, upon which you get the trash and it's, it's collected from uh, the general public to the place uh, where it's deposited and buried or uh, somewhere else. And those transfer stations were vital. And so that's usually where, you know, the, the garbage, the trash itself is uh, delivered uh, to and processed uh, also. So air was found uh, at both the municipal uh, incinerator and the uh, landfill site. And those had uh, higher levels of particulate matter and bacteria than upward will upwind locations and then the team was finding things like 16 different types of antibiotic resistance uh, genes in the air samples themselves so pretty alarming definitely scary and you know antibiotics are being found in our waste streams and so what they concluded was that this is a hotbed uh, reservoir for uh, antibiotic uh, resistant genes that can, can really uh, harmfully be uh, transmitted to residents who may live nearby in landfills or other surrounding areas that are just, um, you know, closely around um, the trash waste sites and uh, making those who are susceptible um, to those those different air par particles and they you know breathe the air and they get sick so they found that to be really um, a cause for alarm the second headline is all about blood and a new blood test that actually can predict uh, 50 different types of cancer so I learned about that on treehugger.com and so a international team did some digging and they uh, were major in finding a, a cancer detector of sorts. So they researched 15 different types of participants and with the aid of uh, machine learning, they developed this program and it uh, facilitated uh, it working with the uh, methylation patterns or DNA chemical changes. And with that, it learned to distinguish between non-cancerous and cancer tissues and overall, the test is pretty highly successful because it predicts uh, the location of cancers uh, and where they began more than 90% of the time, which is highly um, uh, successful as a rate scale. And then uh, any wrongly predicted uh, pres uh, presence of cancer was found about 0.7% of the time, so pretty low. And then within its uh, clinical trials, which it is uh, currently in, um, then the uh, test would really be a viable option and could be really the only option for early detection when it comes to uh, particularly dangerous forms of cancer. And then lastly, the third headline is all about these mysterious bones from the Ice Age that were found recently. So mysterious bone circles made from the remains of mammoths reveal clues about Ice Age. You can learn more about that piece on ScienceDaily.com in the Science News section. So archaeologists from the University of Exeter, uh, they found uh, many different types of bones all the way back, scaling from the Ice Age, and they found different structures, uh, mainly uh, 
uh, they added they were added from what they already uh, were found to uh, to be in existence. So there were already structures of bones of mammoths of the Ice Age period in the Ukraine and in uh, Russian uh, Russian uh, land in the West. And so a new analysis uh, that's pretty recent showed that there were different bones at this one site uh, that were about 20,000 years old. And uh, they were some of the oldest uh, such uh, circular structures that were built um, and where humans were discovered in that region. So humans inhabited that time long ago and there were 51 lower jaws, lower jaw bones, and 64 individual mammoth skulls uh, that were uh, used to construct uh, walls of uh, the structures, uh, the interiors. And they also found uh, things like tiny, tiny stone uh, uh, parts, like 300 at least of them. And then also flint chips uh, that were a few millimeters in size. So the source for this podcast episode really comes from uh, ENN.com. That's Environmental News Network. And so there are a few different reasons why I wanted to uh, get involved in this topic. Mainly because we sort of talked about it a few podcast episodes ago, about two episodes ago. And we discussed uh, seaweed and, you know, it being one of the top foods for uh, feeding our planet. So in the future, that's one of the big staples that's aimed to be really, really successful. And there's growth in, you know, eating seaweed, eating algae. There's different types of algae that we're going to learn a little bit more about. Um, And so I had fun with that podcast episode. And, you know, I'm really... Uh, on board for eating those different foods. I love eating, you know, seaweed. Um, I'm not too big on the crickets, but I will definitely eat anything uh, once or twice, and it could really, really be, you know, good, uh, depending on, you know, how it's cooked, and also uh, the different uh, food options that aren't meat. Like, if when since the population is going to be uh, in an upward trend for many, many decades. We might as well learn about the different foods that we're going to eat anyway, and so why not talk about algae more? So I sort of wanted to uh, uh, trail with that and sort of finish where we left off there. And so there's a few different uh, ways uh, that algae is really useful and it's more sustainable. And so if you want to um, embrace algae and what it has, all that it has to offer, or you're interested in the benefits of algae, um, or if you want to learn, you know, the downsides to um, algae, you know, if you're allergic or anything and you don't really know, well, then this is the perfect uh, episode to listen to. So we're going to dive in with some of the best things about algae. And so um, the University of Technology out in Sydney in Australia, they compiled a really great list of uh, different things that algae is and sort of the positives about it. And so uh, algae is just a single celled organism and they're really, really tiny and they're like um, little tiny pills in, uh, in, in their uh, uh, size and they're really, really small um, and they're, you know, really, really uh, tiny. 
And so mostly they taste like grass or the different types of algae. They taste grass-like, usually, you know, green or different colors. Um, really, really, you know, uh, plants and really, really great and uh, great to eat. Um, you can do different things with them. So one of the first things um, about uh, algae is that it has such a small environmental impact. Algae is something that has um, nothing on, you know, pesticides because it doesn't require them in large amount, amounts or numbers to get them started as far as like growing it as a sustainable crop. Um, it absorbs nutrients. It gives you nutrients whenever you eat it. And it's versatile when it comes to its growth. So algae is something that can be uh, grown in wastewater. So something from your household um, or in an industrial setting uh, from its water use. Uh, second thing is that algae uh, can be grown year round. So it doesn't really have a timetable as far as uh, when is the best time. It's usually when um, you know you have uh, you know some amounts of water. It usually doubles in size and its growth is exponential within one one to three days, uh, depending on the, the time in the year. But uh, algae is a fast uh, growth uh, tracking uh, type of food. It grows and grows and uh, its biomass uh, is pretty huge so it can produce a lot uh, in a given uh, plot of land uh, each year. So annually you're going to see uh, huge numbers as far as your uh, algae produ production. It can also be harvested frequently, so you can harvest it as many times as you can, you know, see that growth there, and you don't have to worry about uh, necessarily rotating uh, land or anything like that, because we're going to get into it a little bit later. The algae doesn't really need uh, a bit of uh, land to get started. It can be really, really small, and so that's how you can grow it. Uh, number three is that algae is packed with protein. Now I talked about this a few uh, podcast episodes ago, about two uh, podcast episodes ago, that algae has tons of different nutrients, minerals, it's packed with protein, it's really filling, um, it's green, so it's definitely good for you, um, and so it yields more uh, protein, about 13.5 uh, to 13 tons of protein per hectare uh, per year versus something like animal-based protein, like your beef, your eggs, your dairy, which produces 0.01 to 0.23 uh, uh, tons per hectare per year. So that's a, a huge uh, uh, level uh, difference between the two. Number four is that algae farms can be created anywhere. So I talked about how, you know, versatile you can grow them uh, on, you know, small amounts of land or even in the sea. And people are able to, uh, you know, build up land or it can be on land that you don't really think there's a, a use for it and you can turn it into an algae farm. And you can also retrofit uh, algae production systems so that they can suit wherever uh, they're grown. So if you have a plant that, you know, did produce uh, vegetables of some kind, you can, you know, make it so that it can uh, suit algae. 
And number five is that algae does not uh, require any uh, fresh water. So you can, of course, use the uh, gray water uh, that you, you know, have that is somewhat good, but it's not as uh, pure and fresh. Or you could uh, grow it in seawater. Seawater is where it's, uh, you know, f from. Uh, and so you can reduce the need for gathering fresh water or worrying about, oh, I don't have fresh water. You see water. You know, if you're at the beach, you know, get the seawater. It's, it's perfect uh, for algae. Number six is that it's super nutritious. So this is uh, on and on about, uh, like I said before, the protein, but it has tons of other things in it. Besides proteins, it has fats. It has necessary carbohydrates. It has uh, nutritional components that are, you know, used widely in the food industries. You know, anytime you go out at a restaurant or um, grocery, there are tons of uh, nutrients that uh, we seek in food, and algae has a ton of these nutrients. And in recent years, it's algae has um, gotten really popular as far as it being in vitamin supplements and uh, food health stores and tons of different products there. Like there's really marketability around selling things that have algae. And that's the bonus. That's what you want in a food. You want it to be healthy. You want it to be uh, packed full of nutrients, have a you know great price to it, you know, non-hypoallergenic. You want it to be sustaining. You want it to be healthy. And so that's what algae is. You know, it's in everything from protein bars and shakes and green smoothies and it's even in omega-3 capsules so algae is everywhere um, algae is really cool because when you cook your foods and you want them to have vibrancy even after they're heated uh, algae sustains itself so instead of your foods um, lacking in color um, they, they kind of perk up with uh, algae um, being used in them Number seven is that algae is definitely cruelty-free. Uh, algae uh, can be harvested a few different ways, either by uh, sedimentation or flotation or even filtration. So those are, are a few different ways that algae uh, can be uh, made from. And so I'm going to proceed to number eight. And number eight is how sustainable um, algae is, especially when it's in different products. So Algae is in different things other than, you know, health food stores, which I mentioned a little bit earlier. It's in your cosmetics. You, you know, you may not have known, but it's in um, all types of um, pharmaceuticals that are nutrient dense um, or in industrial enzymes. And it's in bioplastics, biofuel. Those are sort of recent um, discoveries when it comes to energy and algae but uh, I'm not really on board with biofuels and I'll tell you a little bit uh, later about them but it's also a really great replacement to something like palm oil which has uh, palmitic acid in it and that's really what um, cosmetic lines and beauty care products they, they use palm oil uh, for a lot of the ingredients and as a thickener emulsifier um, and sort of it enhances seemingly their products and so that leads to things like a large-scale deforestation habitat loss amongst different animals endangers uh, animals and puts them on uh, different uh, organizations lists when it comes to um, their lumber their numbers uh, being lowered 
And so if we can use algae instead of palm oil, well, then that's a win. That's a, a really great uh, thing, especially uh, as far as preserving biodiversity and having animals, you know, live where they're supposed to live instead of their habitats being lost. And then lastly, number nine is that with algae, tons of different developing nations and countries around the globe could see a benefit with uh, growing algae and using algae. So according to ResearchGate.net, it had a scholarly article on there, and it's entitled Potential of Microalgae as a Promising Source for Biofuel Production in Nile Basin Countries. And so it talked about uh, the different, different African uh, countries that can use some of their land or even employ those and have a strong uh, labor force. And they have most likely the climate to sustain growing uh, algae and having it as a source um, of biofuel if they so choose. So algae, I think, is really awesome. Algae is definitely a food that I believe is sustainable for our future. Um, I trust that algae can be super nourishing and be done in a variety of different ways. Like there are cultures on our planet who have had East East Asian cultures and other cultures that have cultivated uh, algae and seaweed and all the other types of algae um, that are plants that are tasty and they've done so for hundreds of years. And so to capture um, successfully the power of algae I think is groundbreaking in itself and there's more to explore with algae. Um, I trust it in my smoothies. I trust it when I'm eating you know, seaweed. I trust it when I'm eating spirulina and the other different types of seaweeds um, and, and those species and other types of algae. I mean, it's people... They don't maybe think about the power of algae because it seems so foreign. Like they think that it's mad expensive or they think that it's not accessible or maybe it is or maybe it's not to them. But they're they're scared of the unknown. We as people were sort of scared sometimes to try something we haven't tried before and we're looking to others to, you know, find out, is it okay? Like, will I be... um open to eating this for just maybe a few months or maybe just a one-time thing? Um, or will I, you know, eat this, you know, more, more than once, you know, for me, when I was, uh, would eat sushi, which I like sushi is pretty cool. Um, you know, it's good and has tons of different options to it. I, I would eat sushi and I, I'd love it. And so I wouldn't, you know, complain about it. It's really uh, different. It's diverse. It's got different textures to it. It's um, not something I eat every day, but every so often, sure. And so algae, I think, um, can be one of those foods that you can get introduced to it and you can learn a little bit more about it. Um, You know, go on some taste uh, testing trips. Go to restaurants that maybe have, you know, algae uh, and the different types that I'll get to in a bit. Because algae isn't just in its purest form, you know, a floating on an ocean sea Um, a wave or in a farm somewhere or maybe on your plate, you know, it is um, diversified in its profile. So it's definitely um, something that I wouldn't say is an acquired taste, but depending on the form, uh, you're going to find something that you like. That's just plain and simple. You know, now we're in the, we're in the, the stages of our modern area, 
era and food is plentiful it's everywhere there's so much food that there are people who are starving every single day people who are dying every single day because they don't have the food that they should should get should uh, have you know they they're dying because there there's droughts and there's food insecurities and there's people who are throwing away food on the other side of the planet when that could feed someone in a developing country um I think that uh, algae is a path forward. It's one of the many paths forward. Um, but I don't think that it would be a great biofuel in the long run um, because, uh, you know, growing it to just make fuel is um, finite because there's only so much land we can use to grow things like even corn. Corn is um, it, its prices have fluctuated in recent years. And it's one of those crops that was a cash crop uh, back in the day. But if you're growing it to feed cows or to, to be fuel that's going to be burned, what's the point? We have to have more sustainable ways of fueling our future or feeding our planet. And for me, corn doesn't do it. Um, and algae, when it's cultivated, you know, it could be, you know, mechanized, but that's not the scale of which we're going forth with because corn, the same thing's been happening in the corn and corn was seen for the longest time as one of the only, uh, biofuels, one of the only uh, types of fuel that could be burned, um, and made, uh, you know, ethanol, that's where you get, you know, corn, um, you know, used there. And so I think that, uh, it could be corrupted. And there could be a whole industry that's just clamoring to get on the algae train. And that's not what I want to happen with algae. Um, because algae, it's, it's, it's growing as far as the number of companies and the number of brands that are getting on board with it. And I just don't want it to turn into another fuel uh, that's used just for our planet. And the, the, the need and the use in its food capacity is there, but it's not harnessed because people want to turn it into fuel. That's uh, what my issue is around it. Um, you know, if it will become mainstream, I'm not really sure as a use, but I think that it will. I think maybe in the future, definitely. Uh, around the turn of the century, it's got to be. Um, and because algae can be grown, you know, on small plots of land, it, it needs little land. It doesn't need a lot to get going. And because of its uh, exponential growth, because it only needs seawater and there's tons of seawater, um, because it can be used um, and, and cultivated uh, from gray water, which is in uh, tons of households across the nation, even the world. Um, you know, water that even uh, is used and you may not live in a place or, or you're, you're, you're in between homes or something. If you're using water and it's been used a few times, you know, growing algae, you know, if there's a, if there's a way to do it for the masses and it's easy, anybody can, you know, pick up and do it. Um, if algae uh, is able to be popularized, that would be, uh, a, I think, a real win, especially if you're growing it in coastal cities, coastal areas. Um, maybe people could get benefits from just growing algae or growing it for um, companies or outsourcing it, but it, it'd be um, in the country. So if, if people who lived on the coasts of, for example, California or Florida or in New England, in the New England states, and they lived near the water and they were 
um, I don't know, authorized to grow algae and it'd be plentiful, that would be great instead of it being grown overseas, for example, or in foreign uh, waters where sure, you know, it can be grown because it is, you know, water-based food, a uh, food that can be grown there, but uh, to, to bring uh, jobs home, that, that's, a, I think, a win. Um, and, and a lot of Americans, they, they tout about, you know, trying to bring uh, jobs home to Americans and have it be made in the USA. So why not uh, uh, kickstart that revolution? Why not uh, bring the algae, uh, you know, home to us and have it be grown here instead of somewhere else? You know, we could learn from uh, East Asian cultures how to do it, um, how to make it uh, tasty and, you know, make it, um, you know, suit the palate of Americans because, you know, for the most part, uh, some Americans are picky, but well, you know, we'll basically eat anything. And so, uh, I think trying to normalize eating algae is important. Um, especially if it's going to be and when it's going to, you know, pick up as a food for our future. Um, with the, you know, 9 billion people that's set to, uh, enter, um, into the world in the coming of the century, um, we're going to have to, uh, make normal the eating of algae, the eating of crickets, the eating of foods that aren't meat. We just have to do it. We have to start somewhere. This is a path forward. Uh, so it, it comes in, you know, varieties of uh, different ways. Algae is very uh, big as far as a category, but some of the names I'm going to talk about in the next segment you probably, probably have heard about. And so, you know, you can make it into a snack form. You can make it, uh, you know, in raw form. You can eat it raw. Um, you can cook it a bit in soups. You can put it in salads, part of your dinner. You can uh, have it be food for other animals. You can have it be part of your beauty regimen, um, like the folks, bigger names in the cosmetics industry, beauty industry, skincare industry, they're cultivating algae already. So there are tons of different ways that I probably haven't even talked about, but algae is very diversified in the way that you, the ways that you can eat it, in the ways that you can uh, incorporate it in your life. And so I'm going to talk about briefly um, some different ways to do that in the Mother Earth Minutes. The Mother Earth Minutes is where we review, in the next few minutes, proactive things we can all do to combat the issue in the episode and to protect Mother Earth. So the issue, of course, is to how uh, to incorporate algae in your you know, diet and you know, eating it all the time, eating it maybe sometime, getting used to it, and we learn the benefits um, of algae. And so the message uh, for this podcast episode is a quick fact. So according to the Institute of Food Technologists in Chicago, uh, certain types of algae contain 63% protein and 15% fiber, um, while all types are definitely easily digested and digestible and good for your heart. So algae does have a a number of benefits. Um, Of course, it's nutritional side, but it's good for your health as well. And so algae has tons of upsides to it, downsides. We're going to learn about a little bit today. 
And so um, algae is, you know, really all around us. Like I talked about spirulina, seaweed, and nori, and kimchi as well, uh, South Korean dish. So, you know, there are already different types of algae that you may not have known about. And so, you know, when you think about algae, there's different forms of it. So that's what we're going to uh, dive in a little bit uh, in, into learning. So um, some of the downsides are that um, people who are allergic may not know that they're allergic to algae and they may experience um, allergic reactions, acne spots, rashes, difficulty breathing, or have some sort of swelling, maybe their skin or or maybe uh, in the mouth area or anaphylaxis and where they can't breathe. Um, And so they're going to have maybe gastrointestinal issues. Um, and, and women who are pregnant, there's a, a different type of algae that's brown algae, uh, brown algae, uh, limonina, limonina uh, raria. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but anyway, you can look it up the uh, type of brown algae. And pregnant women should not be eating that because it'll dilate uh, their cervix. And so that will result in a preterm labor, which is not what you want. And so um, if you eat anything that's contaminated, um, you know, of algae of that sort, then there are other pains that you could have, um, you know, sans being pregnant. So you could have, you know, excessive thirst, vomiting, um, nausea, stomach pains. And there are also types of algae that are toxic um, that, you know, they don't tell you about, you know, when you, you know, trying to eat some algae. But it can cause a number of different things, you know, your regular numbness and weakness, diarrhea, uh, nausea, nausea, um, tingling, and you could even die from uh, different types of uh, algae. And I learned about those on healthfully.com. So definitely, uh, you know, do a little bit of scouring to find the uh, algae that's right for you because not all, all algaes are treated the same. So I'm going to uh, break down some uh, algae ideas, and these came from shape.com. Uh, so first off, you could wrap your uh, sandwiches in nori sheets. Uh, nori is pretty uh, amazing because it's really uh, plentiful when it comes to sushi. So you can use it in place of bread or sandwich bread, maybe even hot dogs if you want to be uh, uh, definitely um, courageous and try something different. And then number two is that you could add spirulina to your favorite smoothie. I love it in fruit smoothies, uh, having a sort of green machine-esque, you know, Ottawa smoothie, um, you know, it's great, you know, the farmhouse sort of smoothies, if you want something like that, um, and you want to make it at home, spirulina is definitely what you can do, and you can add it uh, also to um, your homemade sweets. Uh, you, uh, for number three... You can make a seaweed chips. Now, if you're really interested in baking, that's the way to go because you don't have to, you know, eat, uh, you know, good for you sweet potato uh, chips or fries. That's another thing. That is a replacement for that, which is okay. Um, but seaweed chips, if you really are feeling it, that's the way to go and getting that algae in in you. Uh, number four, which I talked about, the spirulina. Um, I haven't really added it to too many desserts because it is so green. It's potent as far as it's, you know, packing of nutrients, being gluten-free, non-GMO. Stuff is organic and it's really um, packs on the green and it is good for you. It'll make you go to the bathroom. It's full of fiber. Uh, number five, 
is to have uh, your uh, kelp noodles instead of something like pasta uh, noodles. So this is great as a, a no carb option, as you know, great with your traditional marinara sauce, pasta sauce, cheese sauce, uh, any of your traditional Italian uh, sort of fixins that you'd have. You know, swap maybe uh, some kelp in there instead of your uh, carb intensive noodles. Number six is to uh, add uh, it as part of like a seaweed salad. So with the seaweed salad, you can have all the different, any type of uh, usual um, maybe seaweed or you can have um, so, some uh, wakame or rame, which I'll talk a little bit later, uh, in there. And you know, have some uh, soy sauce, some ginger, some lemon juice, some carrots maybe in there. Anything that's light and fresh um, and is uh, a vegetable and it kind of works with the flavor that you want in a seaweed salad. Uh, there's recipes online in abundance, uh, then you can make it work as part of a salad have a different type of uh, salad than you're used to. Number seven is to create miso soup. Now, I don't think I really had miso soup, but I've always wanted to try it. And so it just needs that fermented miso and leafy greens, tofu. Um, if I if I had that, I probably had it from like an Asian restaurant and it probably wasn't um, like they do in fancy restaurants, but, ne- but not nonetheless, I would just love to try it um, you know, by itself. And number eight is to try rolling your sish- your own um, sushi. So you can go to a site like um, makemysushi.com. YouTube has tons of different uh, su- sushi, uh, Asian um, uh, traditional dishes, and a ton of people make them. They make all types of different sushi uh, uh recipes, how-to videos on them. I really, you know, saw a few of them and I was delighted. It made me hungry and I love uh, experimenting with different foods and seaweed is pretty tasty, you know, by itself as a snack form, as a soup, you know, in my opinion. And so I would definitely go to a site like makemysushi.com because they break it down, the recipes and the uh, different measurements for you. They have videos and sometimes pictures and they break it down um, and give form to some of the pictures. And so they repeat and they, they're very um, visual. For, and, and all those who are visual learners, then uh, you will definitely love uh, that website, makemysushi.com. Number nine is the last one. And so it's a link uh, to this guide about how to eat sushi, um, seaweed. Uh, and so there's different types of uh, algae algae uh, that are uh, on there. So they talk about the different types. And so they have like nori, which is on there, uh, which doesn't need to be soaked. Um, uh, Corella, uh, uh, they have spirulina, kombu, uh, arame, uh, wakame, agar agar, which, you know, you add water to. It's really, you know, useful. And they have dulce, which doesn't also need to be soaked, and it comes in leaf form and also uh, in flake form. The eco fact of the day is that Goldman Sachs will not finance oil and gas drilling in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. 
That fact was sourced from the Sierra Club, Sierra Magazine, in the March-April 2020 issue. Alright, so we've come to the Eco Company Spotlight. This is a time in Green Thoughts where we, uh, you know, come together. And so if you have environmentally related products or services or companies that you know of and would love for me to uh, check out, then I'll definitely do it. And it'd be a great experience. I've been doing so since 2019. So a bit of uh, time has passed and I, I love doing them. And, you know, if you have, um, you know, different brands that you'd love for me to talk about and to review and experience, I'd love to do so. You can always... Uh, give me a a voice message or email uh, the show and it'd be great to go forth with that. Uh, I've been introducing companies, like I said, for a bit. And so um, one of my favorite companies um, that I just uh, learned about and have tried their products or stuff is amazing. Um, It's called Bobo's. So I'm going to let you know a little bit about the backstory of Bobo's. So it was all the way back in 2003 on a sort of gloomy day or rainy afternoon, uh, Beryl uh, Stafford and her daughter, nicknamed Bobo, they were baking uh, really, really cute, quaint uh, old bars. And so uh, they did it at their Boulder, uh, Colorado cafe. And this became a tradition, really, really a cute mother-daughter time. And so uh, they decided to expand this and it's really captivated people from all over the nation. Um, they haven't changed their original, original recipe. They have really, really small uh, baking practices that they use in their process and they have not uh, changed uh, the tradition of it being a mother-daughter tradition and recipe going forward. Uh, Regarding the sustainability commitment uh, of sustainability of Bobo's products, they are really great on being gluten-free, kosher, and non-GMO, and their ingredients are non-GMO. They have organic oats, and so they're 100% organic. Um, They have organic coconut oil and uh, organic whole sugar cane or cane sugar, and they also have a brown rice syrup that they use in their uh, mixtures, and they are soy-free. They have uh, different products as far as what they sell in uh, make. So they have their best sellers. They have their unique bites. They have their oat bars themselves. They have uh, protein bars. They have their stuffed bars, which are pretty cool. Their toaster uh, type of uh, foods, and I love those the best. Um, And then their variety packs. Now, as far as my experience of Bobo's products, Um, I first tried their strawberry jam toaster pastry, and then I tried their blueberry lemon poppy seed toaster pastry, and I gotta say, they're both amazing. Like, I can't, it's almost like I can't even choose between those two, and I haven't even gotten to the rest of their uh, foods that they have. So, for me, I fell for the amazingness and the tastiness, um, very thick gooeyness there, Um, It feels like you're right at home. It's very wholesome, super filling. I can't say enough about the filling. Um, The taste, you know, I wouldn't say that it's addictive in a bad way, but it's addictive in that you want to eat, you know, the the many different uh, packages of uh, their foods. And I give them five out of five uh, green thumbs up. Um, I want to 
try and create a rating system, even though it's been a while of me uh, rating uh, different products from different companies, but I want to come up with a rating system that works. And so for right now, it's going to be green thumbs up for right now. Uh, I love that they have their giveaways that they do and you can get in on their email list. I'm on their email list. Um, you can also, uh, you know, submit their um, cutouts of their cute little uh, mittens, their oven mitts on the uh, paper packaging and then they'll send you a free uh, limited edition like mint that they have, which is pretty cool. And they get, get about um, 1,500 um, of those sent to them uh, and you have to collect, I think, six um, for, um, you to, you know, get the exclusive mitt. I think it's five or six, but I think it's six. And so you mail it in and you should, you know, weigh about, uh, two months or so, maybe a little bit more, and then you'll have your one of a kind mitt, uh, from them. So you can use it for baking, you know, your own treats. I feel like this company truly cares about its, its product that it, it's giving out. Um, and it's baked with amazing goodness in every oat bar. And I love the packaging, um, except the plastic seal. That's the only thing that I would change. I would probably make that like a durable paper. that's very much compostable or recyclable. But other than that, it's amazing, uh, hands down. Uh, Bobos can be found online and in stores. Uh, they can be found online at their website, uh, www.eatbobos.com. That's E-A-T-B-O-B-O-S.com. They can be found uh, on Amazon, uh, eBay.com in limited quantities, Giant, Heb, that's H-E-B, Hy-Vee, King Supers, uh, Kroger, Meyer, Natural Grocers, Publix, REI Co-op, Ralph's, Safeway, Sprouts Farmer's Market, Thrive Market, Wegmans, Whole Foods, and other stores across the country. Bobo's is on the following social media platforms. Facebook at Bobo's Oat Bars, Instagram at Eat Bobo's, LinkedIn at Bobo's, they're on Twitter at Bobo's and they're on YouTube as Bobo's Oat Bars. I recently became a subscriber. To contact Bobo's, you can go ahead to their website. Again, that's eatbobo's.com. And then go to the support uh, section at the bottom of their website to call, email, direct message, or to write them. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this podcast episode. This is amazing, you know, getting to uh, talk to you all about the amazingness of algae. Um, I had a fun time learning about algae. It makes me even more excited uh, to get into the groove of recipes and to buying uh, all the different types of algae products, you know, and uh, making it part of uh, normalized um, eating as far as, you know, where I am. And so... Um, you know, sharing the goodness of it and the freshness of it. You know, are you open to algae? Are you open to uh, crafting different recipes? You know, are you, you know, maybe skeptical or do you want to learn more about algae? Should I make even more episodes about it? Let me know. I'd really love to, you know, learn your answers and understand you all a little bit more and just get more engagement that way. I always love, you know, getting uh, voice messages and emails, etc. Um, and so it really would mean a lot to have that, um, and to, uh, you know, 
just continue the conversations around it, um, learning more things. Maybe there's someone who's like a sushi expert who's listening, you know, and then having them maybe, um, you know, send an email about how, you know, algae is super um, amazing and, you know, what it does for people and the health benefits, etc. That'd be pretty cool. So again, thank you so much. I love each and every time you guys tune in. It means so much. Um, all you ladies, gents out there, I know that it's a majority um, female audience that tunes in to listen. So that's pretty cool. Um, and I know that um, there was a ton of listening when it came to the previous podcast episode about women in, in, in the environment and like health. Health is a big thing when it comes to the environment. And women, we need more representation when it comes to uh, what matters to us, our health concerns, um, and getting our our voices heard. Um, because sometimes we can be marginalized so much that they don't um, get received well. And so that's uh, you know what I talked about earlier uh, at that uh, podcast episode. So uh, thank you all for always tuning in, always being here and supporting. Um, sharing information, sharing episodes, telling friends. Um, that really means a lot. You know, reviewing uh, the show, it's amazing too because it's, it's, you know, really great um, as far as uh, those who, you know, haven't known about Greener Thoughts and, you know, getting um, it, you know, shared. Um, it, it truly helps on every bit, every listen, every share, Every, you know, talk about Greener Thoughts, it all uh, adds up, it all um, builds for a greater experience around Greener Thoughts in this podcast. So I want to thank you all again, always. And so I wish you all uh, many, uh, you know, a safe um, experience, you know, going forth and a lot of learning going forth. I want you all to please take care of yourselves. Please be good to yourselves. And also to please take care of the planet. You all be well. Bye.